Let's just go ahead and rejoice with her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so, Father, as we spend a few moments together in your presence, we know why we're here, and it is to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we close out understanding why today, Father, may that kind of catapult us into the rest of our day as we close out one year, we get our hearts prepared for another year. This has certainly been a great year. You've established us in this year. You've settled us, Father, inwardly and outwardly, and we thank you and we give you the glory for that. And Father, for all the good that will come out of this service today, we won't take any of the glory of the good. We'll deflect it and give it all right back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close out today. The last couple of weeks, we've been really looking at more of a doctrinal and theological approach to Christmas and kind of, I wasn't led to do what would be the traditional Christmas message and and just kind of look at answering that question, why did he come to the earth in the first place? And so, There are really two truths in the introduction. The first one was that the eternal God became one of us. Uh, He became a human being. And that's what most other religions struggle with is the fact that God became a man and he dwelt on the earth. And we looked at several scriptures that supported that. We also looked at the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And we know that that term is not a biblical term, but it, it, it really presents a biblical truth. And then we began to answer the 10 reasons why. The first one was he wanted to further reveal himself to humanity. He wanted to know us more intimately. Uh, The second was that he came to fulfill certain promises that he made to the Old Testament patriarchs. The third one was that he came to fulfill the law of Moses. And the fourth one was he came to die for the sins of the world. And for me, if he did nothing else, the fact that he died for my sins and removed them. You know, there's no greater Christmas gift I can receive personally for the rest of my life. Number five, he came to bring a new covenant. Number six, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And let's pick up with number seven today. Jesus came to judge the world righteously. And so God is not the one that will judge us. He actually turned that over and and placed that responsibility in the hands of his son, Jesus. If you would turn with me to John chapter five. So Jesus came to be a righteous judge. Why did he come? Another reason is he came to be a righteous judge of humanity, and he would be the one who would judge the world. John chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John chapter 5, verse 26 and 27 says, For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the life or granted life to his Son, the life of himself, and have given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. And so he is qualified to judge humanity because he became a human being. As we talked about a little bit on last week, 
I don't know about you, but I'd rather him judge me than any person on this earth. Because his judgment will always be fair. And I can appreciate it because he's actually lived and gone through everything that I will ever experience in this life. So I know any judgment that I get that came from him, it will always be fair, it will always be just, and it will always be true. Number eight, Jesus came to sympathize with believers as the great high priest. Have you ever felt like in life that just no one gets you? Anyone ever felt like that before? I think we all have at one point or another where we just sense that, man, nobody gets me. Well, let me tell you, if no one gets you, Jesus gets you. And he understands you fully. So he came to sympathize with believers as the great high priest. He could do this because he lived on earth and he experienced all the limitations, he experienced all the rejection, he experienced all the humiliation, anything that we have gone through and will ever go through, he has already experienced it, which is what qualifies him to sympathize with us. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And so, so many times we run to other people with our problems. Have you ever gone to someone with something that you're going through and they had no sympathy for what you were going through? Anyone ever been there before? And you end up feeling worse, at, worse after going to that person than you did prior to even sharing the information with them. What you should learn from that is the first person you should run to is Jesus. Because he's the one that can truly sympathize with what you're going through. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16 out of the New King James Version. Says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So this shows you, folks, there's really nothing that you're going through that you don't have the power to overcome. Matter of fact, can I give you a good gift today? You're not even trying to overcome it. You already overcame it. You just need to realize that. That's good news for somebody in this building. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. So he went through everything, but he didn't let everything lead him to sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And so I want you to understand today that one of the biggest reasons why he came is to fully understand you and everything that you would go to through so that you would always have someone to talk to. Isn't that a blessing? So many times people inbox me at 2 a.m. in the morning and I wake up and I see it. I mean, I might not get to it until a day or two later because I have a family. But isn't it good to know that you can inbox him at 2 a.m. in the morning and he's up waiting on your call? And listen, he picks it up on the first ring. Come on, he sees the call ID and doesn't reject the call. Come on, I'm preaching better than somebody. Anybody in here saying amen. Think about how many times we see the number. Not right now. Am I the only one in here willing to be honest? Come come on, am I the only one in here willing to be honest? How many times do we see the number and we say, not right now? God sees the number. 
and he says, right now. Isn't that a blessing, folks? And so learn to run to him first because he can empathize and sympathize with you. Number nine, Jesus came to be an example for believers. Go with me to 1 John chapter 2. He came to provide an example for believers on how to live our lives. So often we say, well, I need an example. There's no greater example you'll ever have than Jesus Christ himself. 1 John chapter 2, you know, growing up without a father, I didn't have anyone to teach me how to be a man. And I can remember at 22, I said, God, would you teach me how to be a man? And how many know he used his son as a guideline for me? And he basically says, whatever you've seen him do, just do that. Isn't that good? The only thing I didn't see him do was get married. And then the father himself had to teach me how to do that. Watch this. Through his marriage through the church, to the church. And he said, you want to learn how to treat your wife? Look at how I treat the church. Isn't that good? And that, there's no greater example you'll ever get in the earth. Thank God for earthly examples, but they pale in comparison to Father God. Through his son, Jesus. First John 2, 6 says, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Highest goal in life is to follow his example. You know, there's something the Lord's been dealing with me about. You remember that wave of what would Jesus do? I was ministering one time and it just kind of came on me. If you wore that, it would be left to your interpretation to kind of know what Jesus would do which is why a lot of times people who wore those, they didn't do what he would do because they didn't know. And something God gave me based off of this verse is not what would Jesus do, but do what Jesus did. Don't steal that because I haven't patented that yet. (laughs) But in order to do what Jesus did, it requires you to know what he did. Isn't that good? 1 Peter 2.21 says, for to this you were called, 1 Peter 2.21, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. So Jesus Christ provides the pattern for how all believers should live. And let's close right here for today. Number 10, Jesus came to prepare humanity for a heavenly destiny. I don't know if you all realize, but he was born to die. And if you process that the right way, folks, this is not our home. We are just pilgrims, strangers passing through. So don't get caught up on what you have or what you don't have, because whatever you miss on this side, you will get it all on the other side. So don't get depressed. Don't get all worked up about it because you will get it, listen to me, one way or the other if you stay with Jesus. So he came to prepare humanity for a heavenly destiny. 1 John chapter 3, let's look at verse 2. It says, beloved, verse 2, 1 John 3, 2, beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Then he gives us some insight. But we know that when he is revealed, talking about his return, we shall be like him. 
for we shall see him as he is. Which means, folks, we all get glorified bodies. I'm excited about that. I'm talking about a body that will not die any longer. An immortal body. Oh, man, that's a blessing to me. When the scripture talks about we'll see him as he is, he died roughly at about the age of 33 and came back, which means his glorified body is roughly in a, uh, a state of a 33-year-old for eternity. So that means if you died at 120, when you get your glorified body, it's going to look like you did when you were 33. Well, you might say, well, well, Pastor, I didn't like the way it looked at 33. <laughs> It'll be all fixed up, don't worry, because it's glorified. Hallelujah. No sickness, no disease. Come on, somebody. Come on, no more pain, no more crying. Part of his coming was to assure that we'd have a glorified body. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 21. We'll have a body just like his. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, let me read this and then I'll share that. Philippians 3.21 says, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. So, if ours was racked up, then it becomes glorious. That's good news, folks. According to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Glorious body here in the Greek means our bodies will be raised up in the same likeness, immortality, and glory so that we can live for eternity. Now, I don't know about you. You know, I can remember when I first gave my life to Christ, a big thing for me was would we be able to eat in heaven? Am I the only one that likes eating? I know I'm not because most of you all are sitting in this building right now thinking about what's coming later on this afternoon. Right? But, folks, I can answer that question for you today in short. Yes, we will eat in heaven. Well, how do we know that? You remember in John chapter 21, after Jesus had resurrected, he had a glorious body. He had a resurrected body, right? Peter and his men were out fishing. They caught nothing. Right? Jesus was back on the shore baking fish. Right? And he prepared a meal for them. And the scripture says that they ate. And so one thing we know for sure is that there'll be some salmon in heaven. <laughs> Come on, let me enjoy my moment here for a moment. Tilapia. Salmon, no tilapia. Somebody said, no catfish. There will be no catfish. No scavengers in heaven. And there are other scriptures I can show you along those lines. You know, the head, uh, bread came down from heaven, manna. Quails flew in, right? They all came from where? Heaven. 
I don't have time today because I want to let you get home to your families. But I can prove it. I'll do it at a later time. There will be dessert in heaven too. <laughs> Some of y'all said, now look at that. I can't wait to get there. Glory <laughs> to God. But I'll show you that at a later time, okay? So believers who have borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, will also bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I just want to show you three witnesses along these lines. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verses 47 through 49. Look at what Paul wrote. He said, the first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, us in this state. And as is the heavenly man, so also are, so also are those who are heavenly, those who have already gone on, or us who remain, and he comes back, are caught up. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. And then let's close with John 14 with this thought. This is so good. And I want us to get ready and look forward to where we're going. Let's enjoy where we're at. But, man, always have a hope about where you're going because it will actually help you live better where you're at. Look at St. John chapter 14. Verse 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. That word trouble means agitated. He said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, one house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Look at what he said. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I don't know what your story is today. I don't know if you came with family. I don't know what your life looks like. But I do know that there's only one way to the Father, and that is through his son, Jesus. And the world will try to present that multiple ways. We all believe in the same God. We don't all believe in the same God. We must give a name and ascribe a name to what we believe in. And, folks, his name is Jesus. And we came today to adore that name and to give glory to that name and to appreciate that name and to thank God for that name because healing is in that name. Deliverance is in that name. Provision is in that name. Restoration is in that name. Redemption is in that name. The goodness of God is in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, there's no greater gift you can give to yourself, to your family members, and to your friends than to receive the gift of Jesus. There's no other way to the Father but through Jesus. What have we said over these last couple of weeks, three weeks? 
The incarnation means that the eternal God became a human being. You must understand that, and you must believe that, and you must be able to communicate to other people why you believe that, because that's where they will challenge you. When the Bible speaks about Jesus coming in the flesh, it means that he had a complete and sinless nature. He was the God-man. Ten things that we learned in summary is that the coming of Jesus into the world was for these following reasons. Jesus came to provide further revelation of God so that God could actually know us in, in an even more intimate way. We learned that the Old Testament was incomplete and the coming of Christ completed God's revelation. Jesus also came to fulfill certain promises that the Father made to individuals. The Old Testament records promises made to a number of individuals that were fulfilled in Jesus. We looked at three of those. Jesus also came to fulfill the law of Moses. He didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. He perfectly kept the commandments of the law. Jesus also came to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Because he lived a sinless life, he could sacrifice himself. The coming of Christ not only fulfilled the old covenant, but it also brought a new, better, and more excellent covenant into the earth. And one of the greatest benefits of that is that sin is no longer covered. It actually has been removed from our lives. And the quicker we get a revelation of that, the quicker we'll stop struggling with sin. Can't struggle with something I don't believe I have. And then finally, well... Christ's coming also was to destroy the works of the devil. He came to be an example to the believers. It's his perfect life that sets the standard. Again, thank God for people, but never make people your standard. Because even on our best days, at some point, we're going to do something to let you down. But the Father will never let you down. Jesus' coming prepared the way for believers to receive a new body. One without sin and one that would never decay. Let's just lift our hands and adore Jesus for a moment before we depart today. Let's just lift our hands and adore the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And let's give him the glory that is due unto his name. Father, thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus. Thank you for being willing to come to this earth on our behalf, Father, to know us more intimately, Father, and to really do all the wonderful things that you've done for us through your son, Jesus. And so, Father, we took a few moments out of our day to acknowledge that, to leave the comfort of our homes, to come to the place of worship, and to give you all the glory. Thank you for being good to us. Now, if you're in this building today and you're in this attitude of worship, again, I don't know your story, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just know the answer to your story. And that answer is found in Jesus. That's the starting point. There's no way you can figure everything out today, but you've got to start somewhere. Starting with Jesus is the greatest way to close out one year and then enter into another year. And so I want to give just three invitations today. If you're in this building today, believers are praying all around the room. I won't even ask you to stand. You can remain in your seats. Believers are praying all around the room. 
If you're in this building today and it doesn't matter your age, I know children are in here, I know youth are in here, and I know adults are in here. What a wonderful gift to give yourself. If you're in this building today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Notice Peter piped up and said, we don't know the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through me. If you want to receive Jesus.